everybody. Welcome to Dead Talk Live. And, we have, and somebody is listening to the audio. There we go. Everybody, welcome to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and today we are joined by our two producers in, as you can tell, very cramped space. Uh, we're going to be talking about Halloween kills. So, spoiler alert, okay? I've never done this before. But I'm giving a spoiler alert. The movie just came out yesterday. We are going to be breaking it down. If you have not yet watched the movie and have plans to watch the movie, I would suggest uh, you turn off this broadcast and come back and watch it after you have seen Halloween Kills. We're going to be breaking it down. We're not going to be holding anything back. Spoilers are going to be abundant. Uh, But before we get to the movie, first I want to welcome Marco. Hi, everybody. And Afrin. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, they came down to me here in the D.C. area so we can watch the movie together yesterday, and we did. And, uh, you know, good times. Uh, today, while I spent all day working, these two were out roaming the town. But I'm not bitter. Nah. Nah. You know, captioning 25 episodes is just such an exciting fun time i had a blast anyway we're back here now and uh before we get to the movie uh let's talk about because this is the first time i actually went to a theater in three years the last time i went to a theater was to see halloween 2018 three years ago and we pull up and lo and behold the parking lot is empty pretty much empty if you remove all the employee cars that are there it was a ghost town. What did you think? Yeah, the same thing. It was it was uh, it was surreal for a Friday night. A big movie opening Friday evening, middle of October, movie theater season time, and it was just uh, it was sad. It was really really sad. It was it was heartbreaking because I remember we had made plans in the past with all of our friends and family to go to the movies and enjoy it and. Uh, the part of the exciting you get there early you hang out in the theater a little bit you talk about the film you get your popcorn you sit down to the trailers it felt good once we got to that but there was just part of it that is forever going to be gone and it was uh it was a it was a pretty nostalgic it was sad now Efren, when we got into the theater itself we were the first ones there and but there were a few people that did straggle in just before the movie started you know yeah and uh, you know what? What I found insane is if you remember when we came in, no one even checked our tickets. Yeah, that's true. I there was this woman uh, sitting on a chair, and <laughs> I went and showed her our tickets, and she's like, "I don't work here." I'm like, "Oh, so we Ready just to- walk in?" And they're like, <laughs> "Yeah." So we went to the concession stand to get some drinks and popcorn and stuff, and apparently that's where they check tickets. So I'm not encouraging this, but anybody could have just walked in, gone straight to the auditorium and watched the movie. (laughs) I mean, movie theaters are operating on a skeleton crew, at least here for us in Northern Virginia. Uh, But I'm assuming it's not that different across the country. Uh, We were in New York last week, last weekend for Comic-Con. And uh, we walked past the theater, AMC Theater, that was fully operational, but it was empty. Nobody was coming in or out. So I guess it's 
you know, the same thing all the way around. Now, to the movie, all right? Uh, let me start off by saying this. If you're a, a fan of Michael Myers, which we all are, and you enjoy Michael Myers going out and bashing and smashing and killing and just going crazy, Halloween Kills is, is great. It definitely fulfills that part of the franchise without any question uh michael myers is on a rage he's angry uh he's just the kills are phenomenal and i'm just gonna go around and let's just talk about that aspect of michael myers just the character the psychopath the killer himself and get your guys's perspective on that yeah i agree he uh he's just been He's been locked up for 40 years and what I always say that Michael was always a creature of habit. He doesn't know anything outside of Haddonfield, outside of where he is. So it's like grabbing a feral animal and keeping it contained in a cage for a long time and then letting it out. It's going to go back to its natural habitat and that's exactly what Michael did. He goes right back home. He Well, he's been home since the first movie because it, it picks up literally seconds after the first film ends. You mean 2018? Right, exactly. Let's reiterate that. The the 2018 version. It picks up right from where uh, that movie ends, and it just is a thrill ride from that point on. He's, he's angry. He's bitter. He's just out for kills. And if you're a horror fan, a gore fan, you're going to love that aspect of it. Right from the moment when you see him, it just kind of starts. It's... it's uh, definitely over the top yeah well i mean what were your thoughts on the kill scenes Efren? Uh, on the kill scenes themselves michael the kill scenes his rage they were over the top i mean and my thing is continuity more than anything and what, what i couldn't explain to myself was it in a way many of the scenes take place right after basically the 2018 movie yeah and so how do you go from I mean, he wasn't as quiet or as collective, say, as the original shape in 2018. Yes, he was more brutal. Yes, he was, uh, you know, a lot more violent. But <laughs> this time around, it's, it's almost like just either on the same night or a few nights later, he just went bong, you know, monkers. He just... <laughs> so yeah, and let's, about- just, let's just start with the, the way the film begins. Uh, the first half, I mean, not the first half, but the first good seven to ten minutes of the film is a flashback to uh the original halloween and halloween night now here's where it gets weird you know in 1978 when the original came out the movie ended when loomis shoots michael till he goes over the balcony and falls to the ground loomis goes and looks over the balcony and michael's gone and the film ends um this movie picks up in a flashback 40 years prior and michael myers they don't show the whole him getting shot over the balcony it's just him walking around haddonfield as if nothing happened he's not bleeding no bullet holes the police all they seem to know is that michael myers is loose and three teenagers are dead and there's yeah. a manhunt going on. The cops are looking for Michael Myers. No 
that's where I'm like, and all three of us had the same question. They totally did not address the fact that Loomis shot him, that after Loomis shot him, throughout the entire original Halloween, uh, he was after Lori. He just got fascinated with her. We still don't know why. Uh, it's not his sister. You remember uh, when when uh, the two police officers are walking in the street, they do mention that Loomis shot him. And he says Lo Loomis emptied the entire right. uh, gun on him. You're right. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Now I remember it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, he's just what It just seems odd to me that he falls off the balcony and just, all right, forget Laurie. I'm just going on to something else. And, and nobody, seems to, nobody seems to be freaked out by the fact that this man just took probably six or seven bullets and yeah. just got up, fell off a balcony. Exactly. And he just got up. And where does he go? He goes home. <laughs> he goes home. He goes back to the Myers house. So he goes back to the Myers house and two cops uh, basically go there. They search the house. Now, what I liked, okay, is how they, re in cinematography-wise, how they recreated the dead dog. Yeah. Even the broken window. Right, which we know now it's a dog. Because remember, in the first film, we never saw what it was. Yeah. So now we know it was a dog. We always thought it was an animal, but not what it was. And in the, in the 78 version, Loomis said Michael got hungry. Right. And the broken window. Did you right, notice the broken right, window? Yep, with the the skylight hitting it. Yeah, yeah and that was excellent. because... No, it was a, I think it was a tree branch or something that hit it. Yeah. So the cops go into Judith Myers' room, which is the sister that Michael killed as a six-year-old boy. And they did a great job in yeah. recreating how, you know, when Loomis was there in 78... When he was there with Brackett and the window broke, uh, these two cops are there. And lo and behold, Michael jumps out and attacks one of the cops. Uh, he attacks him. He has him pretty much. One cop is being held in a stranglehold with Michael behind him. Another cop is in front of him who has to drop on him with a gun. But Michael is using the other cop as a body shield. So... That cop is, uh, what's the character? Frank Hawkins. Frank Hawkins. Okay, he's he was in Halloween 2018. He did not die. Even though we saw that lunatic doctor of Michael's uh, attempt to kill him when uh, he, he ran Michael over with his car in Halloween 2018, he's not dead. He is actually discovered by... Um, Andy's... Uh, Cameron. Cameron Elam. Yeah. Cameron Elam, yeah. And she's discovered by her boyfriend, and he saves him, calls the cops, and he's not dead. He is not dead in, uh, in this movie. He's very much alive. But that flashback to 1978, he was the other cop that had to drop on Michael while his partner was being strangled from behind. Now, Efren, what do you think about how the events played out after that? Share what happened after that. Well, just the, the way the, uh, I mean, I, I, that part of the movie I actually didn't mind so much. Um, I, I really liked the way they played off the original events. 
Uh, I like I love the way they CGI Donald Pleasance into that one scene. Oh my god, that was amazing. They we have to spend a second talking about that. They CGI Doctor Loomis Donald Pleasance, and the CGI work was just absolutely phenomenal. It caught you off guard. You were like, when Donald Pleasance shows up in that scene, even I the hairs on my yeah. arms start like. <laughs> What's he doing there? Yeah, it, it totally took us all off guard. We were not expecting that. So here's this cop. He has a drop on Michael, who's using his partner as a body shield. The guy that's in the chokehold with Michael behind him, he's literally about to die of strangulation. He has maybe yeah. two or three seconds left. So what do you do with the guy? What'd you, what Go on. Mercy killing when you think about it. It was a mercy it, killing because lives with with so much guilt on him when in actuality it was a mercy killing yeah uh that other cop you know had to shoot or his partner was dead anyways michael he had like three seconds of life left he shoots but he gets his partner in the neck even but but you also wonder what it was he saw he was looking out that window and he saw something that's the whole theme of this movie right okay why don't you expand on that well like i always said before the going back to other film franchises we find a way of how the the mass murderer has a backstory so i think what the the filmmakers in this new particular reboot is doing is that they're trying to give michael a reason for his insanity and like i think i said before and i do believe is that the house is the root of where michael gets his evil from and that's why he's obsessed with that house and he's obsessed with that room i i believe and again i might be wrong it's my opinion that something is in Michael's mind whispering in his ear that that's driving him to do what he's doing. And I think what will happen is eventually we'll see that when the franchise ends in the next movie a, a year from now. Um, and then as we go further on, we'll tell you more as how the film goes to its end and so forth. But I do believe that Michael is drawn to that house, that entity. And we know from other film franchises how the homes of have like in the Amityville and the conjuring and, and even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that home, is part of the cast it's it's another character that we still have to wait and see who they are now the home in this uh version is been redone uh it's it's occupied it's not abandoned it's not a rundown you know crack house <laughs> uh it's occupied by two men uh and they really what they attempted to do in this movie was like Marco just said, give us, uh, at least to start, to give us a reason as to why Michael is doing what he's doing. Uh, even Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, is convinced that Michael's after her. It's it almost, and you know, the writers, I think, took it a little bit too far with Laurie Strode, because it's like somebody who has this ego, oh, Michael's after me. He's coming to this hospital. No, Laurie, he's not after you. You know, he just latched on to you in the 1978 version because he saw you come up and drop off the keys to that house because your dad was a realtor. And your dad asked you to drop the keys off because he was showing the Myers house. Michael saw her through the window. We know that from the 1978 original. Uh, but Laurie, and she's convinced herself and the people around her that 
Michael is after her. And for the last 40 years, she has lived her life thinking that Michael is obsessed with her. But from what we learned from Halloween 2018, Michael never even gave her a second thought after he Mm -hmm. got institutionalized. Let's go back to the Halloween 2018 version when his doctor, who was a nutbag himself, brought Laurie to the house and he hears Laurie's voice. That's when Michael's like, whoa, I remember that voice. He wasn't going to go looking for her. He didn't care about her. Uh, And in this movie, it was Laurie Strode's granddaughter, And I got to say, before we go any further, the performances by the entire cast were amazing. Jamie Lee Curtis, Andy Matichak, Judy Greer, and they were all phenomenal. One thing after the other, they they swapped. This is it's almost like a a retelling. It's a different retelling of it, but it's a retelling of Halloween Six. When you think about it, they swapped. They swapped Thorn for the house. Yeah. 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 They they swapped the whole thing they build up in Halloween 6 about Michael becoming this being while institutionalized and the whole tattoo on his wrist. They swapped that in this version with the root of what makes Michael tick lies in the house. But you would think having this movie be the lead up to the finale that's coming out next year We would have gotten a little bit more information, but the only information that we got was that Michael, before the night he killed his older sister, when he was six years old, just looked out that window, her window. That's it. That's it. No other information is given to us. Just that Michael, we even meet, uh, who was it, Lonnie? Lonnie Lamb, Lamb, we find out, Lonnie Lamb was, the character was in the original 78. Uh, His mom would make him go over to play with Michael. Yeah. Okay. And all Lonnie said is he was weird and he would just spend most of the time in his sister's room, the sister that he killed, just looking out the window. Mm -hmm. But that's it. That's all the information we got. I think we're going to get I think we will get information. I think we're going to I think the third movie is going to hopefully explain that part of the story. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to eventually explain all that because they the filmmakers led us to a lot of great points and a lot of anticipation, a lot of build up. So I hope that they do deliver that because I'm very curious to find out why he is the way he is. Me too. I hope so because yeah. that's where they're taking this friend. Now remember Halloween throughout 43 years is a very segmented franchise, okay? I mean, you have Halloween's uh, 1 through like 7, and then you have H2O, which I think is 7, isn't it? Uh, It's somewhere there. Yeah, it's in there. Yeah, H2O, where they bring Jamie back. Then you had H2O. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, so up to that, and then H2O takes it a different way. Right. All right, uh, young Jamie, played by uh, uh, Danielle uh, Harris, is not... Jamie, Laurie Strode never had a child. Well, she did in H2O, but it was a boy. And he's very much alive, and he's with her. And Laurie Strode is living in hiding 
being the headmistress of a posh school somewhere in California. And Michael finds her and drives cross country. So that's H2O. And then it's fragmented where when uh, Rob Zombie rebooted Halloween and Halloween 2. And now we have this version here. And these three movies, which started with Halloween 2018, they want us, okay, forget everything after the original, which was 1978, and Halloween 2018 is the sequel. And let's pick yeah. it up from there. Yeah. Marco found one error in continuity. What was that? And we were talking about breakfast today. Shall I explain it or shall you explain it? <laughs> well, um, I just want to read what you said. You're right. The film takes three different, it's three different versions of, of Halloween right now. Because remember, it went from 1978 till Halloween 6, and then it went from H2O to Resurrection, and then it went now for the new chapter on. So I'm going to ask a question towards the end of the segment that I want your opinion as well. But let's go back to the, so technically if Halloween 2, which was, came out in 1981, never existed, then they did a mess up when Brackett was telling everybody that Michael killed his daughter 40 years ago. We do see a shot of Nancy Loomis with the white shirt with a very young uh, Lindsay. And then there's another scene of her where she's in the car and she gets murdered. That's fine because that was from the first film. Yeah. But the last scene was a picture of Nancy Loomis on the gurney with her slow threat. That was a scene from Halloween 2. Ah, that's so that's right. where yeah. so that should have never been in this film if Halloween 2 never, never existed. Yeah. Now, they could have totally CGI, which we didn't because it's the original scene, but they could have CGI Nancy Loomis into that scene and make it completely different. But that's a... So if the filmmakers yeah. are watching this, then you're kind of... Yeah, you know, that's yeah. you see, that's one of the biggest problems that I have with Halloween kills. Uh, like I said, in the beginning, Michael just walking around as if that whole Loomis shooting him never happened. Right. Uh, just saying, ah, screw Laurie, I'm just gonna go back to my home. Like, it's getting late, it's getting <laughs> late. Over. Let's go home. She's not <laughs> dead yet. You know, Halloween's yeah. over. I'll yeah. come back next year. <laughs> I'm gonna go take a one year nap, come back. <laughs> Yeah, that bothered me. The discontinuity right there, uh, I didn't like that as well. Uh, them building up to this finale that we assume is going to reveal to us the the driving force behind Michael Myers. We got just him looking out a window. Yeah. That's it. Don't expect anything more. You're not going to get it. What did you all think of that great scene when they're in the 78 flashback when they're all surrounding Michael and... They, the police start hitting him and they knock him out and then there's a shot where the great Loomis CGI goes to shoot him and then Hawkins as a young cop pulls the gun off his that. head. That was that was amazing. I love that. And that's the guilt that I'm sorry, friend. And that's the guilt that he feels towards the end when Hawkins and Laurie are in the same room and he goes, It's not your fault, it's my fault. Because I if I if he would have let Loomis shoot him, then I don't believe that the entity that he would have been 40 years later would have been as strong. I think he just would have been that we know of. Who knows? But that Hawkins feels that guilt after so many years that it's not, Laura, it's not your fault. And, it's my fault. And we're going to get to Michael's why he can't die in a little bit and later on in the show. But I liked all the flashbacks. Here. I did too. I loved them. The original music. I could have watched the whole movie like that again. It was amazing. 
it uh, brought me back. You know, I uh, I remember seeing Halloween 2018 three years ago when yeah. it came out, and you know the opening scene where the reporters go into uh, Smith's Grove, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, it's coming, it's coming. And what I was referring to is the opening music, right? Okay, and I was sitting next to Ephraim last night in the movie theater, and I I whispered, okay, it's coming, it's coming. And I got to tell you guys, it's just the opening credits, but they let me down. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. The Halloween Kills opening credits, which for me, it's what, get my, it's what gets yeah. my blood that flowing. That music is iconic. The Halloween 2018 with the deflated yeah. pumpkin and that really, the theme with sort of like the rock core and the pumpkin inflating, that was awesome. Yeah. Here in this one, you see sort of a carousel of pumpkins with a candle in them, and the music is a the theme music is a lot more subdued. What'd you think yeah. of this opener, Efren? Uh, I mean, I, I loved it. I actually have a t shirt like that. <laughs> of this opener of Halloween Kills? You like it? I, oh, I, wow. Okay. I, that surprises me. I, I, I mean, I, I loved it. I didn't like you know, it. I, the music was like, too subdued for me. Just like you know, your heart's beating faster. And you're like, here it comes, here it comes. You know, I, so it is just the anticipation. Yeah, well, and We're that's fans. what waiting for it. And that's what I was waiting for is when because the entire up until that opening theme is the night is 1978. It's an entire flashback, and then they go to the opening theme. I'm like, okay, it's coming, it's coming. And it's just, they took the Halloween theme music, which they alter in every movie. That's fine. It was just very low key. And it was just, you see sort of a carousel of pumpkins with a candle in them. For me, that was like, eh. I didn't have an opinion. I was so mesmerized by the scenes before that, that I was just kind of like, I, I, I didn't have an opinion of it. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. To be honest with you guys, I didn't even pay attention to that because I was so overwhelmed and amazed but what we saw prior to that because we had a good 10 minutes of flashback before oh, yeah. that came on the screen and i was just sitting in the theater i was like oh my god that was, that was so good it they could have had mickey mouse doing somersaults on screen and i wouldn't have cared because i was so <laughs> still drawn back to that so i do actually want to applaud the filmmakers for opening that way because whether you're not a fan of the 2018 version or this one watching that again everyone is a fan of the 78 movie oh yeah now to go back to what i was saying before because i want your opinion so now we've seen three different storyline arcs of the halloween films we have the original one that went up to halloween h2o and then we have h2o to resurrection and then we have this new trilogy which one do you feel is the best arc to end for michael from what I we've seen so yes. far, and 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 let, and let's pretend that we're that in your mind, you have Halloween ends the way you want it to end, the way you wanted to finish it. How would you feel? Like, which one do you think is the best one? Well, if it's uh, if the third one really shifts course from the second one, and they give us uh, a nice good ending to Michael Myers, and when I say good ending. I will say right now, if they make it completely paranormal as to why Michael is what he is, I will be disappointed. Okay. And I'm a huge paranormal right. fan. Right, okay, no, that's fine. But uh, for me, it's the original. How about you, F? Yeah. 
It was the original too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, now let's I, go. Say that again. I like I, the thorn, the, the thorn storyline on myself. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. yeah he's got I, the it, tattoo. He's got yeah. the tattoo. Yeah. So let's go to this part now. All right. Let's talk about the characters that they brought back. They brought back uh, almost everyone from the original. Brackett, the sheriff. Charles Cyphers. Uh, they brought back Lindsay. Kyle Richards. The girl that Annie was babysitting. And Tommy Doyle. Yeah. And Tommy Doyle is the one that Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis, was babysitting. They brought back Nurse, Marion. Yeah, Marion who, Stevens. Who's played uh, by... Um, Nancy Stevens plays Marion Chambers. Chambers, yeah. They brought back Marion's character. Uh, so before we move any further, uh, not dissecting their characters, but just the fact that they brought those characters back, necessary or not necessary? I think that was just for the fans. I agree. Not necessary. Not necessary. I mean, I, I, first of all, I find it very unrealistic that a character like Lindsay, played by Kyle Richards, who you can tell from the beginning of the movie has a lot of rings, is very, you could tell she's an artistic woman. She wouldn't be living in Haddonfield 40 years later. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tommy maybe, because he's friends with Lonnie and all that. Oh, we're going to get to Tommy yeah, in a bit. But I don't see Lindsay living in Haddonfield after 40 That's years. She never even lived in Haddonfield. So, Afro, yeah. what do you think? Necessary or? No, I mean, the, the nurse, she never even lived in Haddonfield. No. That's true. <laughs> So why was she there? Yeah. The only thing I could think of, it was, they are celebrating, well, celebrating is a bad word, 40 years since the Michael Myers incident. Commemorating. That's the only reason I can think of as why she's there. Yeah, but did they celebrate 30 years or 20 years that, that we didn't see? Is it no. something that, exactly. So I don't know. Yeah. I, great for the fans. I love to see them, but unnecessary. It just. I mean, the actual, the fact, I, I liked that the actual actors yes who were in the 78 got brought back uh bracket and nurse marion those yeah. are the only yeah, two yeah. right no and carl richards lindsay that was the real yeah, lindsay carl richards, the real housewives of beverly hills if everyone knows who that she is oh yeah. so that is the real lindsay yeah, from that's, the that's 78 carl richards, yeah okay yeah. okay so i like that yeah i like the fact that they brought back the actors now with that said Let's talk about Tommy Doyle in this one. Uh, played by Anthony Michael Hall, who's a great actor. To reiterate uh, that, just before that, you know, they originally asked Paul Rudd to come back. Now, explain who Paul Rudd is in the it, franchise. Yeah, so, for, so Paul Rudd was actually Tommy Doyle in Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, which actually explained his origin. And that was one of Paul Rudd's first films. And when uh, David Gordon Green approached him for the role, he really was interested, but they just could not come up with an agreement because he was too busy filming uh, the Marvel Universe films and so forth. But I think that would have been a great role for him to come back to. And for those guys who don't know who Paul Rudd is, he plays Ant-Man in the Marvel's, Marvel Cinema Universe. Uh, the Avengers, Ant-Man. Yeah. Uh, he played Tommy Doyle in Halloween 6. So that's mm -hmm. who they wanted, but ultimately didn't work out. And they brought in Anthony Michael Hall, who's a brilliant actor. It's just that we're now we're going to get into the writing for the character of Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle's uh, character was completely botched in this movie. Completely botched. Tommy Doyle 
rallied a mob, got an innocent man killed in the movie, and was nothing but a hothead. And he was full of corny one-liners in the movie. He goes up to Lori while she's laying in a hospital bed, and he tells her, Lori, you protected me 40 years ago. Tonight, I'm going to protect you. Very corny, very cheesy. Just the character of Tommy yeah, Doyle. What did uh, you think? Uh, again, not necessarily. I wouldn't mind him if he just kind of stepped back. As I don't understand why they were trying to make him the the star and the the protagonist. It just made the police inadequate in their job. And it goes back to the the social commentary that's going on in the world right now again about mobs and so forth. Let the police do what they're supposed to do. He was under the impression that they were never going to do the job right and they failed and so forth. And it just kind of made it, uh, it just. What do you think? Uh, so one is his character was written in such an annoying way. <laughs> he was like that, like that. Remember that one character in Star Wars episode one? Jar Jar? Jar Jar Binks? Uh, sorry, was... Jar Jar Binks? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Who was the Binks of Halloween Kills? <laughs> That's a good analogy. <laughs> okay. So you, you just you wanted him to die. Yeah. He, he had to die. <laughs> I was actually, you know, that I, scene where they come out of the bar. I was hoping he would die. When yeah. it, when and, they and I read some, they call him the heart of the movie, and I'm thinking, what? <laughs> it's no, impossible. No. Michael's but, the heart of the movie. That's no, the first no. thing. Yeah. And then there's the social commentary part of it, which. You know, doesn't belong in a Halloween franchise. As horror fans, we all know George Romero perfected that. Yeah. Since the sixties. And and even when you think of recent movies that have pulled off a social commentary, like No One Gets Out Alive, they did it really well. Yeah. The way to go about a social commentary in a horror movie is if it's in the background. And it's kind of unnoticeable yeah. to a so, lot of people. So let me explain how they did it in Halloween Kills, the social commentary that Efren is talking about. We are living in a divided country. That's no secret, okay? Uh, the, the country is divided. And they put that into this movie. And it played out when Tommy Doyle got pretty much the whole town riled up, uh with this very stupid, cheesy line, evil dies tonight. And everybody was chanting, evil dies tonight, evil dies tonight. It became annoying. And if you guys remember from Halloween 2018, uh, a lot of the inmates uh, escaped from that bus. But there was one inmate that had not been caught yet and was still on the loose. It was... The guy in 2018, Tamoli, the one with the umbrella, with the umbrella in the beginning, when the journalist in 2018 tried to approach Michael, he's still alive, and they bring him back for this one. Uh, this is a man who needs to be in a mental hospital. He's sort of like a gentle giant. He's not dangerous to anybody, and he's scared. Uh, he doesn't know where to go to find safety. He was being transported from one hospital to another. The next thing you know, his bus, now we know, was rigged and got into the accident so Michael can escape. 
he finds him his he finds himself in the hospital looking for help and uh everyone because of Tommy Doyle's character thinks that's Michael Myers so he gets Tommy Doyle's character played by Anthony Michael Hall gets everybody riled up and the whole mob goes after this poor uh patient and uh Laurie's daughter played by Judy Greer what's her character Karen name? Karen uh Karen realizes that that's not Michael Myers so what she does is she locks him in a corridor uh, a hallway with doors on either end of the hallway now this is where the social commentary like Efren just said becomes blatantly obvious both sides uh, each door in the hallway is surrounded by a mob of people that think that's Michael Myers and they want to kill him and in the middle, you have this patient who is scared for his life. So what does he do? He breaks the window. He jumps on. He gets onto the ledge and jumps to his death. Sort of like uh, metaphorically speaking, he is America. Yeah. America is divided, and he's gone off the cliff. It was just so. You know, I have no problem with social commentary. Horror is a great place, is a great genre for social commentary. But it was just like Efren said, if it's done nicely, subtly, and it blends into the storyline, it's great. But the writers and the director went out of their way. Again, David Gordon Green is a great director. Anthony Michael Hall is a great actor. But something got missed along the line here because they made it way too obvious that they were trying to send a message and use Halloween kills to make mm -hmm. their statement on the state of America today. What, I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. It's sort of like uh, the 1930s version of Frankenstein's monster, if you yeah. think of it that way. And this poor man was looked at the monster and the townspeople with the fires and the pitchforks were out to kill the monster. But unfortunately, we know in both movies dragged frantically because like the monster that we know as Dr. Frankenstein's invention, he's a gentle giant. He doesn't know he's scared. He doesn't mm -hmm. know what he is and who is. And that's what Mr. Tavoli, his character, was as well. He just got lost. And there was, I love that scene of compassion between Karen and him. Yeah. When you see the hand from the hallway and he reaches over. So you can tell that there was a warmth of trust right there. Yeah. I would have loved for that scene to have gone completely 180 <laughs> and have him not jump out the window and have him caught and have him saved and so forth. I think it would have brought a little bit of more. It would have humanized the mob a little bit. It would have made us feel sympathy for them. So what when we go to the end which i'm not going to spoil we'll talk about later on when we go to the end and whatever happens to the townspeople i was rooting for them to die there were, I really yeah, was. yeah they... i was like there was i'm sorry there was not one person in that scene that i wanted to live i'm like you know what you're all a bunch of scumbags exactly, right? yeah yeah you're all a bunch of scumbags Part and of tommy doyle is the one that got it yeah. all started yeah. what what do you think of your thoughts on that hallway scene yeah i mean it that that's my, that was my whole problem with that hallway scene, is that it it almost made that particular par, uh, part of the movie about the social commentary, and, and that's what I 
I, I kind of lost interest in that part of the movie. Did they? It, it, sort of, it was very graphic. They actually showed the body after it landed. That yeah, was a very yeah, graphic and, scene. And that that was unnecessary. I agree. It's, 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 it's violence for the sakes of violence and gore for the sakes of gore. And that's a cheap thrill. Yeah, especially yeah. when suicide apparently is so apparent these days that people jumping off their buildings and so forth. I mean, it's a serious topic. And I think it got a little bit exploited uh, because mm -hmm. they showed the body. And yeah, this is a horror movie. This is Michael Myers. And yeah, he's smashing heads, stabbing people, breaking necks in the most horrific ways. But that's what Halloween is. We go in and expecting that. It Seems, is, but I've, I've never looked at any Halloween movie as torture porn, and no, part of it felt like no. torture porn at that point. Yeah, but when he jumped off, he wasn't killed by Michael. He took his own life because he was scared, and to mm -hmm. show it, what he looked like afterwards was unnecessary. It was unnecessary. Yeah. It wasn't... Uh, didn't yeah, there was already that. a lot of gore in the film. They could yeah. have done... They could have tamed that scene a little bit better. Yeah, there and I... Yeah. Now, let's move on... Uh, to act three of the movie okay the final act of the movie they finally figure out i think it's lonnie they start tracking michael's movements and they realize he's making a straight he's going back home uh just like, the obvious yeah like he did in the beginning of the film when they flash back to 1978 he just wanted to go back home uh so he does go back home now the home is not unoccupied anymore People are living there. It's uh, occupied by an LGBT couple. And here's where I have another part. I, I like the characters, the couple, the two men who, who played the couple. They were great. It's just this, you know, real fun couple. Yeah, they bought the Myers house because it was the Myers house. But, you know, I mean, they were just a nice, normal couple. Although, of course, Michael kills them. And then... Michael, from the beginning, has a way of displaying his bodies, okay? We know that. Yeah. Why he does that, I don't know. Especially with the rage that we have seen from 2018 movie and this one, why he takes the time to model the bodies. But what he does is when he kills this LGBT couple, he sits one up on the floor and the other one is laying in his lap. Now. And then he plays music for them. And he plays music for them. How did you take that? I, I th Well, in that particular scene or in the that setting scene, up. The modeling. I think that Michael has a, a sense of humor where he likes to display his work. He has an ego. He likes to display his work for people. Like the way he did with Vicky from the 18, 2018 version when he put her in the sheet. He's got this. Uh, he, he, I think he, he's telling the towns to go. Colette says it's his calling card. It could be. It could be the difference why he might be considered a serial killer and not a mass murderer because he has a pattern. But I think that, that it's. Just, a, just said it right there. He's a mass murderer. He's right. not a serial or a signature yeah. killer. I think it's his <clears throat> way of saying F you to the people of Haddonfield that I've won. And going back to the LGBT couple, thank you for bringing that up. What I loved about that, about Big John and Little John, and that's their names. So I didn't make that, that up. That is their names. Yeah. It's the fact that they. <laughs> What I like about Jason Blum, and I think that that he had to do with it because I think Jason Blum was out himself, is that he took them out of the cliche gay couple and made them fearless. 
badass. The fact that they that were ready, liked, they were ready I, to take I him on, that, and so forth. I did like the fact that two comedians were used. <laughs> Again, <laughs> just not, yeah. But I, I like the fact. That but they were fearless. They were. They were very fearless. They, they were, were very fearless. like you know, you're in my house and so forth. And that I, me being a member of the LG community, I appreciate that because again, thank you for the the producers for kind of breaking barriers again and not making them because I would have called the cops and I would out of the house. Yeah, that's that's just it. It's. But they stood up. They, they stood up to him, and that, I think up. that's that's amazing. And they they were ready, and I love the fact that they had their little mating calls, Big John, Little John. They knew that where they were in the house. I thought that was very well done to kind of know that you're around. And then that moment when you don't hear Little John, you're like, okay, we know that something's wrong. But there was a really cool scene because I think that couple knew of who Michael was because oh, yeah. when there's when he's in the bedroom and he they turns did. around. But I thought for a minute that that. Big John knew Michael because no, the way he spoke no. his name, it's like me saying, "Hey, that, Fred, that how are you?" Big John. That was that was little, little John. John. I'm sorry. Yeah, like they, I kind of felt like they knew each other. So I'm like, okay, does this person know each well, other? Well, you know what it is. It's just that they, first of all, they bought the Myers. Yeah, house. they know exactly who they were getting. They know probably. exactly yeah. who. You, I mean, yeah. they, they're like, uh, if you guys saw the finale of American Horror Stories with the whole uh, murder house. And the couple yeah. in the beginning that, oh, my God, we're in the murder house until it becomes real. Really? Yeah. <laughs> when it becomes yeah, real, exactly. stuff changes. It's not so fun anymore. Only at that point, they were already dead. <laughs> so let's moving along. Uh, Michael Myers kills them. Uh, Andy Matichak characters. He's pretty much has her uh, on her knees, ready to kill her. And Andy, Mat- Andy Matichak, who plays uh, Laurie Strode's granddaughter, Allison. Allison was phenomenal. So, but she's a brilliant actor. If you guys have seen her uh, in other stuff like Sun, she she is a lead actress. She can carry a movie without any question. Anyway, she's on her knees. Michael pretty much is about getting ready to stab her, and she's like, "Do it, do it!" Like egging him on because she knows. He's got the upper hand. She's about to die, and she's not going to give him the satisfaction of begging and pleading for her life. So she's begging him to do it. But just before he has a chance to kill her, she's not dead. She doesn't die in this movie. Her mother, Laurie Strode's daughter, comes in with a pitchfork and stabs Michael square in the back. Okay, so that makes Michael turn his attention from Allison to Laurie Strode's daughter, Karen. And what she does is she leads him out of the house onto the street. And then she looks at him and says, gotcha. They had a trap. The whole town comes in, surround Michael Myers. Okay. And uh, what I forgot to mention, and it's huge, is uh, Michael gets unmasked. Yes. Was it Allison or Karen? That... Karen pulls his mask. And yeah. She has it. She goes, you want this? She goes, come and get it. That's what she used to lure him out. She got his mask off. Now, what I found funny, being a bald man myself, <laughs> is you see the back of Michael Myers' head, uh, who we know is bald, but without the mask, he's just a 60-something-year-old bald man wearing a mechanic's uh, overalls. Not intimidating at all. He looked like the earth, earth science teacher from high school. <laughs> so by them unmasking him, we never got a clear shot of his face. Okay? 
but we got a clear view of the back of his head, the side, his profile. And, you know, Karen lures him out into the street, drops the mask on the floor. He gets surrounded by the townsfolk and he reaches down, picks up the mask and puts it back on and is just still. He doesn't move. And of course, the townspeople come in, baseball bats, crowbars, start taking swings at him. Swing, swing, swing. Then the the fatal shots, okay? Did he get actually shot by a gun? Yeah, three times. Yeah. Three or four, yeah. What kill? What death blows do you remember? The, it was the knife at the end that Karen. Well, we're gonna get to that because oh, yeah. there were a bunch of blows. Yeah, there was. A, yeah. What what blows do you remember from that were be considered fatal? Well, just the the bullet shots, obviously. The but, bu- but this was Michael Myers. I mean, yeah. Well, right. what they People thought. Watched a movie in their lives. <laughs> what what Karen does, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter. What we all think is well, we're you know as the audience is supposed to think, is the death uh, blow that kills him is she puts a knife right through my picture of Michael Myers laying on the cement on the street face down. What she does is take his knife and literally puts it down the base of his skull through his neck. Essentially, if it was a regular person, she severed his spine from the neck down. Mm-hmm. Okay, severed it. I mean, it was just boom, right then and there. And, uh, you know, they're all shouting, I got him. He's dead. We got him. Uh, And that was the second time in the movie we heard that. We heard it in the beginning when Laurie Strode and and daughter and granddaughter went to the hospital. They thought he burned in that fire. We Mm -hmm. got him. We got him. No, you didn't. Okay, he came back down, and guess what? With the knife in the spine, just below his skull, he's not dead. The dude gets up, and he starts slaughtering people. I mean, he starts slaughtering the town one, two at a time. Uh, now, we all know about the suspension of disbelief in movies. That's what makes movies so fun. But for me, there is a limit on the suspension of disbelief. Now, for Efren. Did they surpass your limit when it comes to Michael Myers and the suspension of disbelief that nothing will kill him? They actually did it with the fireman. <laughs> Was that I mean, he survived that fire? No, uh, that he went through that many firemen. <laughs> yeah, he took out a whole ladder company. I mean, it wasn't just that. If you remember, one of them puts one of those fire hoses right up against him. That thing would have blown him two blocks away. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny. Uh, like I said, me and Efren were sitting next to each other. And as he was laying supposedly dead on the ground, and she drops the knife, we're like, why the, why does she drop the knife? I was telling Efren, I would cut the head off, send it to Australia. One leg goes to South America, the other one to Europe. You, you remember him. You, you don't stop. I wouldn't even burn him because I would think the dude would somehow pull himself yeah, back from you don't the ashes. Burn him, you just remember him. Maybe you'll burn the pieces. But yeah, I mean, put him, put each part in a different continent and seal it up with cement. But he gets I, up. Yeah, he I love that up. scene where you see his hand <laughs> kind of moving towards the knife. Yeah, and then it just kind of, and then the next set of scenes are just 
like a ninja movie. Like picture Kill Bill when the bride is massacring uh, Oren's army. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, cuts and knives and stabs. And, you know, again, he, they do kill Sheriff Brackett. He does kill Tommy eventually. He does get it. Oh, we assume he killed him. He gets a knife through his stomach. But that's I where I. Oh, I hope they don't bring back. Yeah. I mean, I no, that, that's where that's what like I said uh, up earlier that those people were part of the mob. I was happy that they were gone. If I, mean, I they, hear yeah. that Tommy Doyle is coming back yeah. in the third one, that's a strike already <laughs> before I even see the I know. movie. I, I I really would think twice about even watching it. Yeah, if they if yeah. they bring back the cat, if he's not dead, yeah. I would be like, oh my god. Oh my God! So uh, Michael's alive. I just take that scene of him butchering the town. I thought that was phenomenal. That was great. That was absolutely. That was David Gordon Green at his at his best and what he does to give you the shock factor, the value. It again that particular scene. I was rooting for him but because you know I what? knew I knew what the lynch mob did earlier. That's what I'm saying. After the unmasking, for me, it was watching Mr. Wise. <laughs> but do you think that that mask because if you notice slaughtering a crowd yeah and i just can't see it anymore but Efren, notice <laughs> something else when he took the mask off when karen took his mask off and he was vulnerable you could tell that he was vulnerable that mask gave him it just provided him like the the confidence and the strength that he needs to be who he is. Look so, what Colette just said, just what, what you think as well. He has to die in the house. Yeah, see? That's what Marco said, Colette. Yeah. The only way to kill Michael, because uh, we're running out of options here, is he has to die in that house. Right. And I have no other better yeah. explanation. And that, uh, we'll talk about that. If we have time. We'll We're almost out of yeah, time. We'll, yeah, well, so going back to finishing after that, we do see him, the scene, and then there's kind of like a quiet scene where where Karen and the police are outside. I think it's the the Myers house. Yeah, it is. And they're talking, and they, and they think it's over. And then there's, I, I forgot already, but there's a shot where he's looking inside his bedroom and... and Oh, Karen's in the house. Yeah. And Michael comes behind him. And again, a spoiler, he does end up butchering Karen to death. Yeah. So she yeah. does die in this movie that we know of. Supposedly. Supposedly. And then, now, he's, he's, now he really is the boogeyman. He yeah. Can just and now he's, and yeah. And the movie ends with the, the theme song and him looking out the window like the way he did as a child years ago. So obviously we're going to see the conclusion of that in the next chapter. And I want to do mention, okay, Halloween Kills pays tribute to the original Halloween, obviously. Halloween 2, and a lot of people are going to miss the tribute to Halloween 2. I'm going to tell it to you. I think Efren might have missed it too. And Halloween 3, uh, which is not a Michael Myers movie. No. Halloween but, 3. But that's actually my favorite scene is when they pay tribute to Season of the Witch. Yeah, yeah okay. They use the three masks used in season of the witch for anybody that's seen halloween 3 they use them in in halloween also in, in, in the first one too in yeah 18. yeah the witch the pumpkin head and the skeleton and the skeleton they use those three masks uh in this movie uh very obviously it's prominent it's cool yeah. now the halloween 2 reference that's literally a split second on the screen that i caught i don't know if you guys yeah. caught it when they're outside of Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, uh, the paramedic, they show his back, his uniform. It's the same logo, Efren, from the original Halloween 2 logo of the hospital. 
Okay. Yeah, it's a split second. Yeah. HMH. Yeah, it was the same logo, everything, and it's a split second. So that was a tribute to Halloween 2, Halloween 1, that's obvious, and Halloween 3, the masks. Uh, you know, it's cool to pay tribute to the first three movies. I think it's cool that they acknowledge she's yeah, under the witch. Yeah, to Halloween yeah. 4, too, you know. Yeah, yeah. What do you, I mean, we've all said Halloween 3 on its own, not with the Halloween name, is a good movie. It is. Yeah, it's just that they attached the Halloween name to it, and that's why it went down the wrong path. We're pretty much out of time, but before we go... I want to go around the three of us here, and on a scale of one to ten, obviously one worse, ten to bad. Efren, what do you rate this movie? Uh, for me, it's going to be a four. Marco? I really was unhappy. Uh, if we take out the hospital scene. No, like, no, you take out is, the movie. Uh, really. I would say I'm going to give it a seven because I really enjoyed the kills, and I really, really love the flashbacks. I'm gonna. I've been thinking about this all day as well, and I'm gonna go with a four. Wow! As well, killed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, the story was very the just within this movie, it was very fragmented. There's a bar scene, then there's the hospital, and then there's Michael, and that's perfectly fine in film. But it I didn't know what it wanted to be. But in a good film, it all gets tied together, and the perfect example I have on how that was done brilliantly, is Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep starts off with three... Uh, you think you're watching an anthology mm-hmm. until it's beautifully tied together in the last act. Mm-hmm. In this movie, they never tied all the different segments together. It just simply... It's done sloppily. Yeah, it was sloppily. I wish there was a better word, but it was just three... This, not three, there were several disorganized fragments and it puts together this 100 minute movie, you know? So overall, Halloween 2018 got me so juiced up. It was such an amazing film to reboot this franchise and I don't know where they went wrong with Halloween Kills. Now, we still have one more to go that's coming out next Halloween. Let's hope they really give us you know, maybe finally an explanation as to why Michael is, why he is, and why he does what he does. Last thing before we go, what are your expectations for Halloween ends? Well, it, it, a spoiler says that it's it time jumps the next film. So I have a feeling it's going to be a year later. And uh, according to the scene at the end between Hawkins and Laurie where they talk about evil dying and evil being back to the house and so forth i would love i want this chapter to end well and i really want they to put michael to bed but i want him to put to bed in a way where it explained to us why who he was because if obviously we know that he is the boogeyman you can't kill him that easily but there's got to be a way that they have to figure out that that ties them so i'm really looking forward to it i am really looking forward and see and so forth so what are you looking forward to for the last one well, what do you uh, hope I'd, to see? I'd like them to see them make Lori even remotely relevant to the story anymore. Right. She wasn't relevant in right. this one. I think Allison is going to take on the Helms in the third movie, especially now that she finds out her, that her mother's dead. Beyond that, what, I mean, is that all you, what you're looking for for the end, for the last movie, Efren? 
I mean, what do you uh, no, what, what do you want? I, I do want to, I, I want them to make first of all. I, I want them to kind of explain Michael Myers' rage. Yeah. In every other Halloween, yeah, the kills were always some were creative, you know, some were like any other slasher movie, and and yeah, as a fan, I kind of watched them for that too. But the brutality went over the top in this one mm-hmm. to the point where after a while I was like, okay, enough already. Come on. For me, <laughs> it's, it's cool. Yeah, for me, it's very simple. Let's finally, because they brought it up that we're, you know, we started getting this Michael Myers backstory before the age of six. No other movie in the Halloween franchise is there a mention of anything Michael before the age of six. In Halloween yep. Kills, we get that. So now they started it. They have to yeah, close it out they properly. Better the they better close it. They have to close it out because pro- they, they opened Pandora's box that no other film dared go down in the Halloween franchise. They did it. Now, let's uh, hope they close it out well. Uh, the only thing I would be disappointed in, well, that I have thought of, if they make it a completely supernatural paranormal thing. The paranormal does not belong in the Halloween franchise. This is not a demon. This is not a demon possessing. I mean, it was like Friday the Thirteenth when they, you know, uh, Jason when Jason goes to hell. Yeah, yeah. It was going too far sometimes. Yeah. So that's all I want. They open the box. You close it out properly. I do agree with you with the the story prior to him being six years old. That's what the sci-fi is doing now with the Chucky series. Yeah. Is that we're going to see William Lee as a child, which is great because we want to know how he became who and why. So that is great that you mentioned that because I would love to see Michael from the time he's born and why and so forth. Beyond just what they gave us in this movie, which is him just looking out a window. Anyway, guys, we are out of time. Actually, we're past the one hour mark. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Thank you for those who didn't watch, who are planning on watching. As we said in the beginning, come back after you watch the movie. Let us know if you agree, disagree with us. Our, you know, ratings range from a seven to a four. So there's varying opinions here. And we'd love to hear, you know, your guys' opinion as well. Please comment on our video because we're trying to gauge what everyone else is thinking as well. So please share, you know, every opinion is welcome. I want to thank Efren and Marco, our executive producers, for coming into town uh, with me so we can all watch it together. It's been decades since all three of us have been to the movies together, and that alone (laughs) was worth it. So thank you guys for coming down. And until next time, guys, on behalf of Efren, Marco, and myself, Stay safe and always stay walking. Good Good night. Good night, everyone.